This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the MK1 podcast. This episode in particular was recorded over a two-week span, so our Cambridge review and Brandon Mason uh, overview of the signing was uh, last week, and our previews of this two weeks' games against Shrewsbury and Crew was uh, Wednesday night I recorded it on, so just let you guys know that apologies if it's a bit jumpy between um, our timelines and things like that, but hopefully you enjoy the episode as much as you would as always, and um, yeah, enjoy the listen. Hello and welcome to the MK1 podcast. You already heard everything, Milton Keynes Dons. Well, it's been a pretty enjoyable week, of course. Uh, besides football, uh, good week at Cheltenham. I, I celebrated bits of bits and Patrick's with uh, the Irish coaches in my family. Decent little week that. That and Cheltenham was a good combination for me. And of course, the F1's back. Um, decent little race. Of course, if you're a Red Bull fan, I you know, wouldn't be too pleased. But, you know, uh, good little result for everyone else, pretty much, especially Ferrari. Um, and of course, Dons won. So even better and in the sun as well. So, Sure, everyone that went to Cambridge or that trip, but I'll introduce the guys and see how they're getting on. Ross, how you doing? Yeah, aside from having a hangover until about what Tuesday afternoon, um, and having a slight beer fear, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm doing all well and all well and good, thanks. Good to hear, mate. Good to hear you say so you were you certainly packed a lot on last Saturday, uh, as was Joe. How, so Joe, how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm still um, just recovering from getting used to all the fame after my talk sport appearance as well. <laughs> um, but no, I'm sure, yeah, I've, I've just made sure I'm just carrying a Sharpie with me at all times in case someone wants something signed. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you, mate. I don't blame you. I say it's a, we've been fairly fortunate the past couple of weeks. Obviously, a few big decent features and Ross's is coming up next. So Ross, get that Sharpie ready. Don't you worry, mate. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's been good to uh, get bit of external media coverage and it's it's all credit to the lads to be fair for the run they're putting together and uh yeah the get the wins basically and one of those wins came on Saturday against Cambridge. Obviously 
Don sold out the uh, the away end fourteen hundred. Um, really, really good atmosphere. I think we just, we discussed in pre-recording how you know it's well, of course it was brilliant that the day was really good in terms of the weather was really nice. All the Don's fans soaking up the sun, but I think apart from crew this season, it, we we struggled to name a a better or as good atmosphere we've seen all season in terms of the numbers. You know, the general just feel good atmosphere of the stand, and again, you know, another three points from that. Didn't think we were great on the pitch, but we, I don't think we have been for a little while, to be fair, but we're still getting the wins. Um, of course, we were a Jamie Kerr wonder save and a Connor Coringer clearance off the line kind of saved us a bit at the start of the game. And, you know, Troy, Troy had a pretty good chance also 10 minutes in where he shaved it wide. But yeah, we didn't play great first half and we knew, we knew what we expected from Cambridge. And I think Cambridge were actually pretty good. You know, Bonner set them up well and they got a, they had a pretty good reaction and probably felt they deserved at least a point from a game where they got battered the weekend previously against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I say first half, we went into day and needed a bit of work to do. And we got fairly lucky to be there nil-nil, I thought personally. Um, but yeah, second half came out really well. Of course, big game mode uh, from a long throw from Dan Harvey of all people um, and long throw of all things as well, which you haven't really seen too much of this season. Plays it straight to big game mode and he lays it off to Wazza, who uh, tucks it away and it's 1-0. Um, and it was... Yeah, that, that that was a completely unique situation. We haven't seen that at all this season. Um, but again, it, it shows the adaptability and the you know, thinking on your feet type of mantra that Manny wants from his team, and they, they showed it to perfection there. And um, yeah, as as Don seems in this season, they they held out really well and secured the three points. And it's a matter of three points really, based off the other results on the day of Rotherham dropping points, closing us to in four points of them. And yeah, really really good day out and. Um, so quite a few of us stayed um, in Cambridge after the game for a few drinks. So yeah, it was decent. It was a very, very good day. And uh, by the sounds of it, Ross, you enjoyed it also. Yeah, I, I took I took the uh, after party as such back to Kettering. Um, <laughs> but um, no, yeah, it was a really good day. Um, I think you mentioned obviously about um, riding out that early storm. I think we always knew that that was coming um, due to obviously them getting a battering at Sheffield Wednesday. We knew that they were going to have a reaction, and um, yes, obviously um, the goal line clearance quality, a few top saves can come in. Um, apart from that, I don't feel like Cambridge really offered anything other than that, and um, I think we showed him in the second half. Um, yeah, we we asserted our dominance on the game, but also we didn't give him any clear cut chances. I, I believe they didn't even have a shot on target in that second half. So it just goes to show. Obviously, we didn't play our own our own game as much as what we want because obviously the narrow pitch and all that. Um, but we took our chances and I think in tight games like this, that's what you've got to do. And um, I think the key part you said there, Liam, was obviously taking advantage of obviously Rotherham dropping points against Shrewsbury and in closing that gap um, because obviously we've, we're relying on other teams at the moment to close that, um, to close that gap. So yeah, overall top day, um, obviously another goal for a centre-half. It's obviously pleasing, um, but um, it's just another game where we've got to get three points, and we did at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't think we've well, we've never seen this type of waveform really in terms of the amount of wins we're getting, and it's quite incredible going back a few seasons where we couldn't buy an away win, and now we're literally getting them in, you know, in. Well, lots of but lots of them basically at the same time. It's fantastic, and uh, Joe, I'm sure it was enjoyable as much as it was for myself and Ross on Saturday for yourself. Yeah, no, really good day. Um, there was um, 
two midfield maestros at, um, at the services after the game as well. And uh, Josh McEachran and Matt Smith were there as well. So uh, me and Ross bumped into them. So <laughs> that was, you know, a good way to end off um, end off the afternoon. Um, as you say, there was, yeah, it, it was, there wasn't much in the game really. They, I think their, their first thought was, let's not lose 6-0 again, you know. But they, it's not as if they just sat back. They, they did give it a go. They put box, balls in the box. Came close a few times, but I wasn't, you know, especially in that last sort of half an hour, there's no point where I was sort of going, oh God, you know, like watching the clock and counting down the minutes. It was just, you know, fairly comfortable. But, you know, of course we were never truly, you know, well ahead, but it was, um, you know, yeah, it was it was good enough. And that's why at this stage of the season, um, we're not quite at, you know, cup final stage, but it's definitely... Or we're not at the running stage either, but it's you know the penultimate, you know, it's the uh, business end of the season, so to speak. And you know, we with the running fastly approaching, it's it's going to be one where who gives a damn if the performances aren't you know aren't all glossy and um, glitzy. You know, at the start of the season, you say, yeah, well, maybe if we carry on playing like this, the results aren't sustainable. But at the moment, it's just about finding a way, and that's what we did. Um, as you mentioned, you, the use of the long throw, first long throw of the season, I believe. And yeah, really good to see. I've been saying, you know, before, you know, I know when we, we do previews and we talk about a team like, say, Wickham or Rotherham, you know, Rotherham are one of the, you know, well, they're currently sat in first place in the league. And they've, I think they've got the most set piece goals in, in the league. So it's not, you know, set pieces aren't just something that, you know, Bit relegation threatened teams need to just hope that they can nick a goal from the set pieces. You know, the top teams now are they're really prioritizing this and because it's a chance to score at the end of the day. So, really good to see you know work being done on, on that front when maybe the, the playing open play isn't quite where you want it to be. But you know, we had eight corners as well, so that shows you know we did have a bit of territory. We, we were you know, we were pressing and probing. Um, but yeah, it didn't quite click. But in the end, we we, we got the result we needed, and um, another another clean sheet, which is just you know brilliant to see. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I think it's I think it's all credit to hockey, to be fair, and the work he's doing with, with the guys on set pieces that you know it's coming across. And uh, as Ross mentioned, you know I think Harry Darling's actually got eight goals this season. I didn't even realise to be fair. I think it's only I think it's five in the league, but even still, that's an incredible amount for a defender. Because was getting his second, and I think it was quite funny how, well, for me at least, the game was dominated by our sort of Irish trio of, or well, more more than that in terms of the squad, but particularly was there in Conor Coventry in terms of the two, so a couple of the Irish had to really dominate on on St Patrick's week. Of course, was getting his goal, but I think for me the man of the match was Conor Coventry. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, he really battled for that performance, and I think when Kasumi picked up an early card, it was. So it's a difficult one for Dave. Obviously, he loves yellow, but it kind of limits him in terms of the challenges he can make and what he can do in some, some extent. But I thought Coventry really stepped up and even his passing range is fantastic on the day. I think it was eight out of 11 um, like longer balls made it on players' feet or head or body fart. Um, so yeah, Ross, I thought Coventry was fantastic again. And you know, it's funny that we're speaking to uh, Liam Mann later on and, and who has, of course, a West Ham connection who got Connor in in the first place. And once again, he excels. Yeah, it makes it makes you think what why it didn't work out at previous clubs, and um, it seems like he's he's got a, a lot of maturity in himself. Um, 
Well, the thing what pleases me the most is is he's always running, and if he even if he does make a mistake, he's w- willing to track back and do that dirty side of the game. And I think a lot of players these days, um, especially in the Premier League, and I know we're not in the Premier League, but um, these defensive midfielders, um, they don't like doing that dirty work, and they think they can just walk back. And if he's learning learning that from the, this level, what once he proceeds through to the next stages of English football, because I do believe he will get there uh, into the Championship and potentially in the Prem for West Ham one day. Um, he, he will excel and, um, yeah, he's got a real engine on him. And as you say, Liam, he gets about and uh, he, it just you just have to look at his stats to show that. Yeah, most definitely. And I think there was a, there was a new champ for kind of ringing around the uh, the pub on Saturday, which I don't think we can repeat on here. But yeah, he, he was fantastic. And um Jerry, it's really, it's really pleasing to see him do well. First, not only he's a younger lad, but I think he's one that, especially for Manning, that he's, he's basically coached him when he was younger and must be, must be a proud moment for Manning to see Conor do well on the pitch and potentially off it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just another, um, you know, the, the actual acquisition and, um, you know, the pickup of Conor as well. You know, you look at the how it was with him. He... he was on loan at Lincoln. Um, didn't, you know, did okay, but didn't exactly pull up any trees. And then Peterbury barely got a game. And, you know, these are two quite progressive teams that play nice football and press and all that. And you just got to think, you know, well, what what, what are we seeing that they're missing? But, you know, that's, that's where, you know, having good people um, in and around the club that can recognise that actually, you know, maybe he wasn't in the right position or, if he's got this player next to him, it means he can do this and, and you know, t- tweaking systems and all these sorts of things and signing the players that will suit us. And, you know, it's it's definitely our game and, um, you know, really good for Connor as well. You know, he maybe came in with a point to prove after a couple of, you know, low-key loan, loan, di- loan moves. But I think especially like the defensive work he does, I know you mentioned his range of passing, which... You know, being able to spread the ball on that tight pitch was, you know, quite some doing. And I think as well, when you're alongside Kasumu, you know, Kasumu's great, but maybe Kasumu doesn't quite have the passing range of a McEachran or a Matt Smith. So I think the onus very much was on Coventry to lead the lead that that side of things. But yeah, defensively, two clearances, blocked a shot, two interceptions, three tackles, and then you know the clearance off the line, which is as good as scoring a goal. There's no two ways about it. If, if that doesn't go in, all of a sudden it's 1-0 after, what was it, 10, 15 minutes or so? And then it's a completely different game, isn't it? You know, they're not going to be wanting to come out at all and it's going to be basically attack versus defence potentially. So, yeah, really mature performance. And we've been, I, I remember the first first few games, we were like, yeah, he's, he's all right. He's not done anything wrong. He's pretty steady. And But now, yeah, now he's got his feet under the table. Um, I mean, I just—it's just a shame that you know with performances like these, why would he be in League One next season? So uh, let's just hope that the that um, MK Dons aren't in League One either next season, and we've got a chance to get him back. Yeah, keeping our fingers crossed. But I think if a West Ham fan had their way, he'd be in the squad right now. To be honest, um, I can completely see why he's. We mentioned before how he, he fits his Eklund Rice mold quite a lot for me. Um, and yeah, I think that's his natural progression in terms of where he could go in terms of potential. So yeah, I mean, well, well, take Rice then instead. That's yeah, I mean, if, he, if, he's, if he's going, if he's going, if he's going, I'll take him for sure. But no, he's uh, he's fantastic, and it's good to see him do well. 
I mean, Joe, you mentioned about the pitch, and obviously there was a lot of chat with when we spoke with Tom um, from the Cambridge podcast in terms of how narrow it was. And but I thought Perstip used a bit really, really well. Of course, the goal comes from the, the, the widest part of the pitch possible from Daniel Harvey's long throw. But I thought um, you know him himself and himself and Harvey and Kane Kester really used that well, and it allowed the likes of commentary to you know distribute the ball well, and of course it freed Mo and Twine a bit, and of course Troy to get into pockets of space and create chances. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a, I think it was a system that we hadn't really seen too many teams at the Abbey Stadium operate this season. But again, it, again, the goal comes to a complete a, a new situation we had experienced before. And I think the same comes from that width in terms of how Dan Harvey and Ken Kessler used it. And I think it's a partnership we're probably going to see a lot this season, uh, despite the signing of Mason, which we'll talk about later on. But um it's good to see both of Harvey and Kessler work well, right, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, I listened to the uh, the Under the Abbey Stand podcast um, and their preview they did on the game. And uh, one thing they were talking about is, you know, their home form versus their away form and how they've actually got the pitch um, like as narrow as it can be, basically, uh, for the league. And so, you know, I think we saw that. And I think, you know, those sorts of games don't really suit Mo, Mo, Mo I don't think, because... It's very hard for Mo to find them. You know, what's Mo best at doing? Running in behind, running onto a through ball, and um, and dispatching straight away. Whereas, you know, when they're when it's a pitch like this, it's very hard to find those spaces in behind um, for Mo. Um, in terms of the width, I think yeah, I think I think Kessler was a constant threat, and it was him that actually set up um, Troy Parrott for that quite good chance um, early on. And um, yeah, Harvey, I think Harvey found a lot of space, but I think, you know, we maybe just saw that he was just being crowded out quite a lot on that side. And with Harvey, he's got a wicked delivery, but maybe he hasn't got the pace to beat a man like uh, and Kessler has. But I think, you know, given, you know, we've seen on bigger pitches, such as at Wigan away, you know, what Dan Harvey can do when given space. So, yeah, I think it's a difficult one for the wing-backs, but I thought they did come through it quite well. And, um, and, and you know, on the same time, we did we did limit them to to few chances as regards to getting their balls into the box. So yeah, overall, you know, difficult not difficult conditions as such, but you know, just adjusting how we have to play because you know we're so reliant on the big pitches and you know maybe one of the reasons why we are so good away from home is is because of how good a lot of the pitches are in League One. You know, it, it, when <clears throat> excuse me, we're going away to these sides like Rotherham or Wigan and Sunderland. They've got these huge pitches that. are that are really, you know, decent services to play on. So I can't help but think that that really does help us when we play. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And, you know, the level of teams that I often spoke about and the, the size of big clubs in the league now, you know, they have these really good facilities. We have like these carpets, essentially, which, you know, if not many not many teams that were in the league four or five years ago weren't used to that. Um, so, yeah, having them down in this league has been a real beneficiary for us, you could say. And, um, yeah, I think, I think our our best away form in the league kind of indicates that quite well. Um, I think I think Dan Harvey's been getting a lot of slack recently. Uh, I, I know it's quite a few fans at the game on Saturday were kind of a bit annoyed with him. He was getting crowded out, you know, trying to tell him to, oh, go forward and stop passing it backwards. But it was, it was such a difficult performance to Dan, I think, for me anyway, in terms of, as Joe said, he was crowded out, but there wasn't, there wasn't too many options. And it's difficult when... I said Mozo isolated and Troy's on the other side of the pitch. It's it's kind of like who else you pass to. Uh, I admittedly, to be fair, Connor, Connor tried his best to get himself open, but 
do you, my point I'm getting to is Ross is that do you think Dan Harvey gets some unfair criticism, especially in games like that where he's in such a difficult situation? If we're just looking at Saturday, I, I do think it's unfair. I think Cambridge in that first half they defended very well as a unit, and um, you've got to give the credit credit where it's due. Um, but individually, Dan, you you don't put Dan as a um, a Kane Kaysler Hayden in terms of like um, pace, where he'll beat beat his man every time. Yeah, he he every now and then he'll beat his man, but it's more the delivery side for me. I believe if we've got players like obviously Wickham coming off the bench who are aerial threats. Um, again, Darling as well. Um, if, if he's uh, drifting into the box, I do feel like Dan's delivery is a lot better than what other players are in the squad. So to pinpoint that he, he got a bit, um, his performance wasn't too well on Saturday is a bit unfair in my eyes. But um, I think fans need to realise not all players are going to have good games um, week in, week out. And, um, it's how we deal with that. And at the end of the day, we got the three points and that's all what matters. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of fans can share that mantra in terms of, you know, it doesn't really matter how we perform and how we get the goals. And certainly, I think if a, if a certain coach staff was here um, last season, they still were in a horror's goal. They wouldn't be too pleased if it turns out how it came about. But uh, you know, this, this doesn't matter, and this all about getting the wins at this point and keep the pressure on the top two. And uh, you know, hoping we can well my way in there somehow. Um, but yeah, no, it's really, really good day, really, really good three points. And you know, we come to an international break now, which uh, is a bit annoying. I, I would like to continue playing, especially against a crew team who, to be honest, are a bit down the dumps right now. I listen to quite a few of their. Uh, listen to Artel and the, a few podcasts that they do, and yeah, they're they're in real trouble, real real trouble. Um, but you know that waits until a couple of weeks away. Um, but we do have a signing to talk about, which is strange to talk about this this time of the season in, in Brandon Mason coming in. Um, of course, former Watford, former Coventry, predominantly. Uh, we've got most of his playing time in the Championship and I think a bit of League One against us quite a few times. Um, left left back, so. Injury of tonight, Watson, which unfortunately for extended period has kind of granted this, to be fair. Um, but it's looking like Kane Kestel will be solidified right wing back for the rest of the season now. So Mason's been brought in to compete with Dan Harvey. And to be fair, when, I, when I've analysed Mason and Harvey's sort of play style, it, it feels very similar. Um, from what I've seen of Mason's delivery, he's very, very good, especially from deep balls, which I like to think Dan Harvey's got the same quality of delivery. Um at times he shows the pace to beat beat a man on his side, but doesn't always show that. And again, I think Dan shares that similarity and, and tendency, I suppose. Um believe he's still a young lad, so of course early on early signs to the end of the season, but it's more of an opportunity for him to come in. Hasn't really played too much football the past year or so. So it's a chance for him to potentially get some minutes, get back up to fitness also, and um, you know, potentially contribute to a hopefully successful campaign. He seems like he's a he's been training with a side before. Um, and are clearly, you know, it's a good personality to the squad. Otherwise, he wouldn't be brought in. Um, Ross, when you, when you saw Brandon Mason was announced um, last week before the Cambridge game, what were your thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very much when it comes to talents like this. Obviously, they're they're free agents, and um, I think you, you only can really judge them off what, what you see on the pitch and um, them highlights. I, I do get where you're coming from in similarities to Harvey. Um, 
but obviously he loves it. I, I, I do believe he loves a slide tackle as well. Um, the, the amount of slide tackles in that clip was a joke. Um, but as you say, um, he's got that bit of flair about him. And obviously with these wing backs, we've noticed, with, especially with um, Kane Kessler Hayden, he's he's got that bit of flair about him. But defensively, he's he's really improved also. So um, it's about having that balance. And I think that's why Tanai was so such a good option um, because of he was so reassuring uh, defensively, but also um, in the final third, um, he he looked looked up. And sometimes with these young players, they don't look up and uh, they try and take it all on their own. And it's just having a bit of uh, maturity about your play. And um, yeah, it looks like he's a good, 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 solid signing. And um, I, I do believe he's came in like a perfect time, really. Um, obviously, I believe it's two weeks off, um, if we include this week and next week. Um, so he's got time to obviously blend in with the squad and um, get up to match match fitness, if you want to call it that. Um, and yeah, let's go into these run of games, hoping um, he can take us over the line like he did with Coventry. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So he's got that promotion experience, of course. And as you said, Ross, he's I think he's good going both ways. You know, he definitely loves to tackle. Um, I think he yeah, I think in the nineteen twenty season, that promotion season, I think he averaged three point four tackles per game. And then he also had that 1.5 key passes. So, you know, he's not just a man who's just a jump into tackle and to pick up yellow cards for fun. He's, he's so on to both ends of the pitch, which is brilliant to see. Um, and yeah, he was at the game on Saturday. Um, admittedly, he wasn't part of the, the, the squad, but he was just, he travelled with um, Brooke and Jack Davis, I believe, and just head to the game and watch, watch the team and, of course, watch us win three points. So, and yeah, he seems like he's a, he just seems to be excited to be here, good personality. So yeah, hopefully Mace can kick on and, uh, but yeah, hopefully Mace can contribute to a successful campaign this year. And uh, who knows what happens next year? You know, he's uh, he'll be a free agent again. So might get picked up by League One team, might be us, who knows? We'll take a short little break. And then once we come back, we will focus on the two home games at Stadium K this week in Shrewsbury and Crewe. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Okay, after not playing after the international break, MK Dons have got two home games to look forward to this week. First off with Shrewsbury at home and actually a team in pretty good form, which I'm sure Joe will elaborate on. So, uh, Joe, give us a bit more detail into Salop. Yeah, absolutely. Um Shrewsbury, I think they've been a bit of a bogey team for us lately. Um, we they were they were two 0 up against us at home last season, and we uh, came back to draw that game to all. They beat us. I think it was four two at their place last season, and of course, I'm sure a lot of us remember that afternoon in Shropshire this year, uh, where <laughs> yeah, a, a narrow one nil defeat from uh, one of their only attacks of the game. But you know, there we go. There, and, and that's the sort of team they are. They're a very low margin team. Um, they've um, actually got the third best defensive record in the league. They've actually conceded one fewer goal than us. However, um, there's not many teams that have scored less than them as well. So, uh, you know, it must be a bit boring being a, a, a Shrewsbury fan. But, I mean, they're sitting comfortably mid-table in 15th uh, in between Shelton and Cambridge. So, you know, they're, they're a decent enough team. Um, in terms of the actual uh, makeup of the team, they've got... Uh, a range of players really. They they tend to play a three five two, or a three five uh, three four one two, 
and they've got plenty of experience there. The likes of Elliot Bennett, uh, Ryan Bowman, Luke Leahy, um, and then, you know, George Nurse, Ebanks Landell, who, of course, us at uh, Don's know, and Pennington. Um, so they've got like a really quite settled, you know, first 11 or so. And it's, you know, it's, it's paying, paying dividends because, as you can see, you know, they've got great organisation. They know what they're doing. They might not have the best attackers, but at the end of the day, if you can keep the ball out of your net, then you're not going to lose, are you? Um, so, as you mentioned, they're in some pretty good nick lately. They've won their last three without conceding a goal. Um, away from home as well in their last uh, in their last uh, six away from home. They've only won two, but they've only lost one. So again, you know, I, I do kind of liken them to a Cheltenham sort of side in the way that, you know, they, they don't necessarily um, score loads of goals, but, they, but they're not, you know, they're not completely just falling apart. Um, so yeah, a tough game. And, you know, I think we've seen in from the I Follow games last year and the game uh, this year, you know, they're, they're the sort of team that they... I don't know. We just don't seem to enjoy playing against them. A lot of the time, they'll be banging up and in our faces. Um, but maybe now that we're a little bit more streetwise, let's say, and maybe that we do have that longer ball in our in our back pocket to use if need be, maybe that will be something which can we can really use to our advantage. So, um, do you know what? Fair play to Steve Cottrell and what he's doing there. You know, the, another solid season without ever really being in trouble of going down. It might not have been the most thrilling, but it's, you know, something to build on for next season. Yeah, yeah. So they're a pretty similar position to the team who played last game in Cambridge. You know, they're identical points, similar position in the league. Not too much to play for, but definitely, you know, a team that's you know, looking forward to building to next season. And it's going to be a tough game. A very tough game. And as Joe pointed out, and you've got players like, you know, Luke Leahy, who's just adapted to being a centre mid now all of a sudden. And, you know, putting in sevens and sevens and eights every single week and keeping them ticking essentially. And um, yeah, so it's a bit of a topsy turvy season from last year, of course, with uh, Steve Cottrell's um, health being a bit of an issue. But I'm glad he's um, back to being himself a bit more now um, and being on touchline every single week. You know, that and that consistency is clearly shown through this season. They had a bit of a bumpy road, but as Joe's pointed out, they've uh, got back on track. So, Ross, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty tough game. Uh, what are your thoughts heading into Shrewsbury home on Saturday? Yeah, you, you said about obviously getting back on track and I think a lot of their forms came down to several players this season. But um, I've just highlighted one player and that's Ryan Bowman. Um, obviously, ex, um, ex Exeter. Um, I believe he scored 12 goals. Uh, no, 14 last year um, for Exeter. So he, he's made the step up and he's got... He hasn't done too too bad or too great. Um, but he's got 12 goal contributions in 29 games. And I think that in three goals in his last four games has really shown where Shrewsbury's points have came from um, recently. And you've got to, as you say, um, realise that in the right system, maybe Ryan Bowman is a really good player at this level. Um, we know what he's like. He's physical. And when, when it comes to these flick-ons in the box where um, they're up against it or that they've got a counter-attack, he, he puts them away. So... Fair play to these, this Shrewsbury side. It seems like they're grinding out points at the right times. And um, they're nicking points nicking points against top teams like Rotherham. So you've got to hold your hand up and say they've got some really good individuals in the squad. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they build on next year. Yeah, so we're 
there's a basis just recruit Savvy in terms of League One players, you know, brought the likes of Tom Flanagan this season, who we all know is, you know, I think if you're looking to consolidate your position in this league, I think I think Tom Flanagan is this kind of player that you need. Because as you mentioned, Ross Ryan Bowman's making a step up, getting 12 goal contributions this season. And, you know, you need leaders like Leahy to come in and play multiple positions and excel at that element. So, yeah, solid team. Um, as, you know, don't really like playing them too much. So hopefully we don't have to play next season. But yeah, it's going to be an, an interesting game, probably a low-scoring one. Um, and I'm sure we'll get the gents' thoughts on scores, predictions later on. In terms of how Dons might approach this game, Joe, what are you expecting from a Liam Manning perspective? Will it be the same old adaptive situation, see where we go from now? Or do you reckon Lava set out game plan for this one? Um, well, we'll be at home. Uh, so, of course, you know, that, that you know, change, maybe changes things slightly. Um, I think, you know, games we've seen at home where teams... You know, you, you've got teams that are, you know, they're not bad teams, but they're maybe not at the same level of quality as us. You know, he likes Vacrington, uh, Burton and, you know, and, and Cheltenham. They're, they've made it difficult for us. And so I think they will press us, but then I think they'll be more than happy to sit back and just almost soak up the pressure at work as well. So I think there will be times where they will really try and come at us. And, um, you know, I think we've mixed up really well this season. We saw at Cheltenham, you know, with the Moisa goal, that we've got the ability to to do that long. It's, it's not a you know hoof up field. It's a it's a pass that's basically missing out the midfield. It's just going defence to attack, quite literally. And um, you know, so that that sort of thing works. Or I remember when uh, we were trying to break down Accrington earlier in the season, and uh, you know, a nice bit of play and Moisa just one bit of quality. He manages to get past his man and play, does a really good finish. So. You know, I think it, obviously it depends whether they're more happy to sit sit back or, or, or they're going to press us. But I think we've got quite a few tools in our arsenal now that we can use. And I think, you know, maybe if they are sitting back, maybe we might see someone like Theo, who we've not seen lately. Um, but but I think, you know, it's, um, I think, yeah, it's going to be a case of, and and this is something that Liam Mann has spoken about on various podcasts this week, you know, given the, the players adapt to the game, see how it pans out, and then, you know, if, if it's not working out, Liam can make some changes in the second half. Yeah, as he, as he put himself, you know, power to empowerment almost, you know, let the players figure it out themselves um, and hopefully be in a position, you know, where they're comfortably either controlling the game or in the second half, put the actors in to win the game overall. Ross, I mean, do you share similar thoughts to Joe on that front in terms of, you know, letting the players adapt to it on the pitch and see where we go from there? Yeah. But you've got to have that intensity. You've got to have that pace about your play. But also, especially at home, we have saw with these low block teams, it's all about using the width of the pitch in my eyes. Um, you've got to stretch their shape. And um, if they're gonna if they're gonna sit sit back, eleven men behind the ball, and work as a unit, we've got to test that unit. And I think with players like obviously we've saw it previously, uh, Theo Twine, um, they're best when they've got that space uh, and. That's what these sort of players need in our squad. So it'll be a case, obviously, using the width of the pitch and, um, as you say, adapting to what they bring. Yeah, so very much like um, Saturday against Cambridge in terms of, or the previous Saturday against Cambridge, where we used that width quite well with the wing-backs and uh, created opportunities through that. Yeah, it looks like it'll be the same case here against Shrewsbury on Saturday. Um, but, of course, that's not the only game this week. Uh, we've got Crew Alexander at home, uh, a quite unique team this season. Certainly, one who's you know, not on great form at all, hasn't really got going all year. Whether that's been their fault or other other outside influences, that's up to debate. 
of course, a lot of players have left for them um, the past summer or so with obviously NG, Pickering, uh, like contract distributes with players like Lowry and things like that. Um, now, there's been a lot of, lot of debate on whether that's the, the management's fault in terms of release, release clauses or whether that's other elements entwined in, in into that. But ultimately, the team's clearly been disrupted by this and that's why they're bottom of the league. You haven't, I think they've won one game in like 12, it's something silly like that. It's they really aren't in good form, and I think the team's really struggled to get any momentum this season. And um, it's gotten to the point where even their manager's gone on you know club podcasts a bit like Manning did for um, several this week and said that you know, I think I think the team's pretty much doomed to relegation without putting it in those words. So it's a difficult season for the railway men, and to say the least. Uh, obviously, we went in there early in the season, had a not comfortable 4 1 win, but uh. A win that eventually we saw off and caused the likes of Max Waters and Mo to grab goals there. Um, so I think many will expect a routine win here, Ross. Are you expecting a routine win or are you expecting um, something different? It's, it's a bit of a weird one. Again, I, I do feel like it's going to be similar to what uh, Shrewsbury's game is going to be like in terms of obviously the deep block. But looking back at that 4-1, back, I believe it was back in October, um, in that first half, there was a bit of fight from that, that crew team. Yes, it's looking a bit bleak right now. And I think we, we all can look at the table and say, yeah, yeah, they're probably down. But they've got individuals. And two individuals, I, I like the look of in that crew team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they did stay in League One, uh, were Tom Lowry and Luke Offord. Two young individuals who aren't afraid to play out uh, from the back. And obviously, it's what Artel wants in his players. Um, he wants a possession and um, Lowry is someone obviously who can distribute the ball very comfortably and um, he travels well with it and then you've got obviously offered a centre-back um, I believe he's averaging like 76 to seven, yeah he's got over like 76 touches I believe so he's, he's not afraid afraid of the ball and maybe in a better possession-based team he could could succeed so they've got little heart, uh, gems as such in a, a very poor squad. But um, again, it's it's a case of obviously not underestimating the team and um, just utilising our, our quality and um, let, let's hope it overrides theirs. Yeah, that's one of the key qualities. Good, good put you mentioned, Ross, in terms of an Artel team is that they tend to stick to their principles regardless of where they are in the league and the position they are. And that is, you know, playing possession football, trying to play attacking football, you know, not really trying to sit in and create a low block like some things might do that we played this season and are still to play this season. So it's going to be an interesting watch to see how this Don's team actually react to that for once. Because I think the past couple of months, we've seen a lot of teams trying to adapt to us. Whereas, Joe, I don't think this crew team will do that. And it'll be a key test for us to see if we can go back to our ways of, you know, playing quite expansive football and, essentially taking care of the game, you know, early on through attacking football. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they've only won two games away from home all year this season. And, you know, I think as, as um, Ross said, they have got a few decent, half decent individuals, but I think one of the issues is that, so in 40 games or so, uh, Luke Offord, he's started 36 of them. The person that started the next most is, uh, is, is Murphy. Luke Murphy, and that's uh, 25. So it's, you know, almost as if even the second highest appearance makers only just only started just over half of the games. 
So it's really hard to have any real sort of consistency when, you know, you've got players chopping and changing. You've got you've got to remember as well that I think in in the in the summer they had three or four players. I think they had two players actually retired after signing. They then decided to retire before the season started. And then, as you mentioned, the contract disputes with some real talented players and Tom Lowry's pretty much the only one left, really. I think offered uh, I think offered offered as a crew youngster. Um, uh, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a crew youngster as well. So he's, you know, maybe another one coming through. And Will Yaskalainen, but then maybe not other levels as your Kirks, your Wintles, um, Owen Dale. He recently left in January. Um, but you know, Tom Lowry for me is like if, if he can play well, he's the sort of guy that can turn a game like you know in an instance. Um, and I actually, when when Matt O'Reilly left, he was one of the people I was looking at us maybe to get I, I really do like him um, so yeah by no means it's give, it's a given and also another thing to remember is you know if if they are down or you know they've not got they've not really got much to play for well then they haven't got the pressure then have they if they can play with freedom and just go for it and just see what happens and so often you see you know when a team's already relegated or as good as relegated they just pull a performance out of their arse and it's like where has that been all season you know they can play, and it is a young team as well. There's a couple of, well, I say young team, they've got a couple of uh, people like um, Chris Porter at 38, who, who will be given a loan to the run for his money, I'm sure. But it, it is overall quite a young team. And, um, you know, so if, you know, if they're just told to go out there and express themselves on a big pitch at Stadium MK, who knows what could, what could happen. So I think, obviously, it's a game we should be winning. But just just got to be wary as well of the threat they possess. Yeah, most definitely. And I suppose the only, only fact we haven't really mentioned too much, and I'm not sure how much it will play into um, the both performances really this week coming up, is that the squad haven't really played a match together since that Cambridge game. You know, it may feel like it wasn't too long ago, but it was by the time that game comes around, it'd be a good two weeks. So, I was wondering whether you boys thought there was any factor in the fact that. They haven't, they've obviously gone away to internationals. Most of them have been training still with a squad, but quite a few of the bigger lads like Kane Kessler, of course, Troy Parrott's goal against Lithuania last night. Um, they've been away from the squad, and, I, and I'm not saying this is a primary concern or anything. I'm just after your guys' thoughts on whether you think that'll impact maybe early stages of the Shrewsbury game at all, and maybe we start slow, or do we reckon we'll go straight from the off as usual? I think it could maybe go one of two ways because. You know, the, the break could do the players good and they come back. It's almost like a, right, one final reset and then seven games and it's, you know, full steam ahead and we just absolutely go for it and start blowing teams out of water. But it could go the other way where maybe we've lost that edge because we've just been not chilling for two weeks, but it's been maybe perhaps less intense for two weeks. And there's been time for people to think about, oh, what if, you know, you know hang on a minute, actually, we, we could do this and... That's what I think when you stop and think, that's when you could get yourself into trouble. So I think that, but I'm sure Manning's keeping them on their toes, um, keeping them working hard. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think because I mean, Manning was asked about the break and whether or not he thinks it's uh, going to benefit them or, or whether it's come at a bad time. And he said, well, it's pros and cons with it, really, because yeah, of course, we'd love to keep up this momentum, but at the same time, there's a lot of valuable things you can do during a break. And, you know, we, we, we've heard and we've seen how good a coach Manning is. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see the, the fruits of two weeks' work. 
Yeah, and he said himself, you know, he hasn't had a chance to evaluate, has he really, in his since his joint. So maybe this is like the first week in a long time that he's had a chance to sit down with with Chris Hogg and the rest of the coach team and even some of the players and sort of say, you know, like to implement this heading into the final six weeks or so and uh, yeah, ho- hopefully kick on. Okay, gents, uh, let's get into our score predictions. I, I think we'll leave Lionettes because I think they're, they're fairly set in stone now. Not with too many injuries to what from what I remember from last time. Of course, Tonight Watts is out with the long term. Aiden Baldwin, as far as we're aware, is still out. So I think everyone else is uh, fit and firing. So, Ross, what's your two score predictions for the two home games this week? I, I do believe we're going to keep two clean sheets. Um, on Saturday, I do feel like that's more of a tougher task um, out of the two games. I do feel like Shrewsbury, we talked about momentum just a minute ago. Um, I do believe Shrewsbury have got that. And um, they won't be scared to come to us. As you say, the pressure is not on them. It's on us to keep keep up that pressure at the top of the table. Um, so it makes no odds to them whether they um, lose, draw or win. Um, but obviously, um, Cottrell was want, wanting to get points there. Um, so I've gone with a one nil uh, victory at sat- on Saturday. Um, I've, I just feel at the moment defensively we're really strong and we're in a good place. Um, and then on Tuesday, I've gone with a two nil. Um, I just feel w- on Tuesday it will be a slightly different task in terms of um, getting that early goal. If we do get that early goal, um, I do feel like we'll cruise, but. For some reason, it's Milton Keynes Dons, and it's never the easy way with us. Um, so I, I, I've gone with a two nil, but um, I do believe them goals will come late. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly the same as you. Um, one nil for me against Shrewsbury. This feels like a result we'll kind of do. Uh, there are always close games between us two, and sometimes Shrewsbury nicks a result against us, as Joe mentioned earlier in the season that happened. So I think we're owed one in this case, and I think I think we'll get that on Saturday, albeit a tight one. Um, and yeah, Shrewsbury, sorry, not Shrewsbury, a crew, sorry, midweek. I could see us given. I think we're due to batter a team at home. I think every single promotion season we've we've seen a game where we've won by like four or five goals. It's a very comfortable, and we haven't really had that yet this season. Um, could it be against Crew potentially? Um, but. I don't think it will happen against Crew. I think it will be a bit later in the campaign. So, uh, yeah, 2-0 two, two for me. I think it will be overall, especially Saturday might be a bit of a nervous one, but I'm hoping that, you know, we'll get through Saturday all right and then we can roll into Tuesday quite nicely and uh, take six points from six. So, um, Joe, what, what are we saying in terms of scores from your perspective? I'm going for 2-1 against Shrewsbury. I can imagine them scoring a goal in the first 15 minutes, just catching us maybe out just from our little holidays. And But then, you know, I think it will be one where we just grind it, grind it. And, you know, we've seen it a few times this year. You know, I think it was Charlton game was a good example. You know, we go behind and then, but we always have responded well. And so I think we'll get, we'll get, we'll edge that one. And then Crew, I think it'll be similar to the Cheltenham game in the fact that I think we're going to start fast against Crew, and I think we're going to be, you know, we'll be going to be going with the purpose. There's a job to do, and I think three uh, 0 for that one. Hopefully, another clean sheet. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I can't remember the last time we actually conceded more than one goal. I think it might be Lincoln. 
I will find out for you now. Boxing Day, Lincoln. I think. Uh, let's have a look. I'm scrolling through myself because I can't actually remember the last time we did see two goals. Yeah, you're right, Lincoln and Boxing Day. Yeah, you are correct. Uh, and then before that, it was Sheffield Wednesday. And well, actually, so, it, it, you know, yeah, yeah. Then obviously Steve yeah. is in the couple, so we won't talk about that one. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> uh, I've erased that from my memory. Um, but I think, um, you know, from, since since uh, Oxford, I think, yeah, yeah. so we had, we had two games where we can see the two goals. So so since, you know, Morecambe away, which is 27th of November, we've only conceded two or more goals twice, and that was to Oxford with a like a de- very depleted team due to COVID. And then Lincoln City, where Warren O'Hara and Dan Harvey decided that they were still hung over from their Christmas dinners. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's you know it's just a really good sign that even if we do concede a goal, we're we're only conceding the one, and we're keeping games tight. And I, I was having a little, little look as well. Out of the seven, out of the seven defeats we've had this season, they've all by, been by one goal, other than that freak result at home to Rotherham. So um, yeah, I think you know yeah. 2-1, edging it against Shrewsbury and then hopefully a more comfortable Tuesday evening, 3-0 uh, going forward. I mean, we've all predicted six points, so what can go wrong, eh? I'm sure it'll all go nice and smoothly. Come, come, ne- come next week on Wednesday, they'll be sitting there very happy. But yeah, that, that brings us to the end of this latest episode of the MK1 podcast. Um, hopefully it's been as listen as ever. Obviously, it's been split into two weeks this week because of what we did with um, Liam in the same week last week uh but yeah, i hope it's not too blocky and you can still enjoy the episode as much as you would usually but uh, until saturday come on you dons and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.